going through the car wash this week. Gordon Nickerson helps me write my leave application. Coming closer to the time to travel, you're going to get one or two players saying, oh, I've got a hammy, I've got a strong, you know, I can't go with my family or, you know, don't want to go, it's too risky. And, you know, you know all this stuff, Sean, you know. And Sean kills us before the show has even started. Sorry, man. man. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Today is a great day for a car wash. Yeah, sure. Car wash. (laughs) (laughs) This is the car wash on Sokola Duma Radio. This is a Hangana Corner. Good day and welcome to the car wash. This is episode number 34. On today's show, KZN Ohauteng set to host the PSL and Glad Africa finale. AFCON has been postponed. Stuart Baxter has a new job. And TTMFC are going to offload all of its players before next season. Uh, whether you're listening to us on SL Radio, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or Mahikeng FM, welcome to Game Time. Uh, I'm your host, Slu Paho, and I'm not alone. With me is uh, the man who has never conceded a goal, and don't fact check me, it's Sean Roberts. How are you doing? <laughs> Thanks, Slu. I'm great, Pat. How are you doing, man? All good, all good. And uh, this is the Gordon I knew before I was an alcoholic. Gordon Iggerson, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Slu. How are you doing? All good, all good. Thank you very much for joining us uh, as uh, Deco is... Uh, I don't know what Deco's doing actually these days, but uh, we need somebody to fill in for him. And uh, thank you very much for joining us on the show. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you. So we start with uh, the greatest comedian in history, Sean Roberts, who uh, gives us a joke of the day every week. They get better and better. Uh, don't fact check me on yeah. that one either. <laughs> so, yeah. so, sorry, Gordon. This is how we intro the show and the, the jokes do indeed get worse and worse. So here we go. Um, why do soccer players do so well in school? Because they know how to use their heads. Oh, man. <laughs> sorry, man. man. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so Peter Crouch was straight A's. Then. Straight A's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we start with the leading story, and that is the Premier Soccer League's proposed bio bubble restart details, which are going to be announced soon. And we, we have a bit of a curse on this show where, because we have to record the show in advance, this thing always happens where a news headline comes out after we record, uh, after we're able to talk about it. And I have a funny feeling it's going to happen again. Uh, the sense of anticipation is palpable about which province will host mm. the completion of the 2019-2020 ABSA Premiership and Nedbank Cup. KZN is apparently now the firm favorite to do so. Uh, they are competing against Gauteng. So KZN presented their bid a couple weeks back. Um, and apparently the league was blown away. The warm weather conditions in the province also help uh, their their case quite a bit uh, and also the fact that they have a lower number of COVID-19 cases compared to Gauteng. Uh, so, you know, what, what do you guys make of, 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 of this? I mean, KZN, I, I checked, they do have uh, uh, enough stadiums. Um, you know, we had Sun City as an option, uh, but I do recall some somebody pointing out that the amount of games that have to be played um, might be a bit of might be a bit too much for Sun mm. City. So what do you make of KZN as an option? Yeah, I mean, I thought I would have loved, I would have loved Sun City as an ex-player. That would have been awesome for the players. Mm. Um, and I, I would still say that KZN is probably a better option. 
coming from a player's point of view, I mean, you've got the beach, you've got the hotels, there's plenty of stadiums there. The weather's a lot better. Um, you've got that beautiful stadium as well on the beachfront. So, yeah, it, it's a tough one. I think there's obviously, with the COVID as well, there's obviously a lot more cases and will be more cases, especially in the Gauteng area. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, as a player, I would be frothing at the mouth if it was in Durban because that's, that's just great all around. What do you think, Gordon? Yeah, I agree with you. I think Durban would probably be the best place for it. You know, as mm-hmm. as uh, Slu said, with the weather and the conditions there, it's much warmer, it's humid, and for the spread of the disease. But I just think, uh, I just think, guys, that um, everybody will just be happy to see football. You know, I think we have to follow the rules. We have to um, take our lead from the specialists and from the government, and if they feel it's safe, and it would be safer if you played in one or two stadiums and you have like double headers, because you know you don't mm-hmm. want to be travelling and mixing, and you know it's, there's quite a lot at stake here for everybody. And uh, obviously, their safety is the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I needed to get you guys' thoughts on this option because it was one that I've been considering. Um, I, I find it, I mean, w- wouldn't two provinces maybe work if we're talking Glad Africa and the PSL? Maybe if you did Glad Africa in one and the PSL in the other? Um, or do you think that that's a bit too many moving parts? Do you think it all has to take place in, 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 in one province? Is that what the bio bubble is or is it more more so you know, flexible in that maybe one league can finish one place, one league can finish the other? Yeah, I was going to say, that, that looks like, it seems like a logical situation that could happen. But I think the biggest fear they got is the travelling, you know, uh, you know, backwards and forwards and, and different teams and different places. And this gives, gives more gives, this gives more uh, opportunity for this to spread. You must remember as well, you know, the players are also a little bit sceptic at the moment because this is a very serious uh, uh disease we're dealing with here you know when you watch when you look at the sports all over the world with uh, especially in america now the guys went back to their rugby and went back to their uh, their uh, their sports and basketball and so on and so forth and they people are picking it up so i think it's important that they get a, a place where they can be in a camp and they in that area and they stay there and they finish it off but again is durban going to be big enough to host both both sets maybe two two centers would be the best idea yeah that's a good point gordon i mean so just to add on there as well is that all we want, we want the league to be completed. So the, the, the moment you have one division or one, one league in, in Joburg, one in Durban, and there's just one case, I mean, it's going to just cause catastrophe all over again, and then the league's not going to be completed. And, and everyone's agreed we need the league to be completed. So I do agree with Gordon to have uh, the, the PSL, the Glad Africa, under one umbrella. It's easier controlled, and um, hopefully that's, that'll be given the go-ahead. Yeah, and I mean, look, uh, the one benefit that we have is uh, the PSL has had quite uh, a low number of, 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 of cases. I think it's only seven. Um, I believe Chiefs recently confirmed that they had three cases, uh, unnamed players. We saw Stellenbosch had a few cases. But overall, I'd say compared to the Premier League and La Liga, we're actually staggeringly low on that front. Um, of course, mm. there's still plenty of rounds of testing to go, and so we'll see. But, you know, I, I'm just excited about the fact that you know, we'll get the we'll get the league back. Gordon, I actually wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, what do you make of of? I think this will be the first neutral venue one that we're going to see. Uh, how how much do you think it'll affect um, the gameplay? Um, you know, when 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 football does return, because we've seen in 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 Europe uh, the players were fatigued. Um, we've seen it all over the world. You know, it's 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 a natural thing. But but you know the the playing under one roof and and the, and the separation anxiety from family how much do you think it'll play into into the league's return 
Look, I think it's going to be a big strain on the players. First of all, not so much because they're going to be away, away from their families, but they're going to have they're going to be stressing out about certain things. But uh, more importantly, is the is the uh, the way the way they're going to set this up? Or they're going to have like two games in one stadium? Because there's so much at stake at the moment. You know, there's so much there's so much at stake at the moment. The league is so close to the top of the log. The teams aren't able to play or train the way they should be trained, so they're going to come back not at their very best. You know, it's, a, it's one thing to train by yourself and it's different to train as a team. You know, you've got set pieces to do, you've got your combinations to play, you've got your all these things come into play and, and, and then you need to train regularly, twice a day, once a day, whatever the case may be, as a team. Now, that's going to not be there. So there, there's going to be a lot of rusty things going on out there, not a, not a lot of really good combinations getting played because you need to practice these things. And I think that's going to be the biggest um the biggest problem the teams are going to have. Very, very difficult circumstances. Um, just going back into it, how much time are they get, are going to get to train before the first game takes place? Because they're not going to get to the level of fitness they were when the league stopped. No, that's going to be impossible unless they have uh, maybe six weeks to train before the first game. And I don't see that happening. So there are, there are plenty, plenty of uh, obstacles in the way. And you can also see why uh, uh, everybody wants to play because, they, as I say, there's so much at stake. It's not only in winning the championship, but in the relegation battle. Mm-hmm. There's so much. Uh, it's a huge difference between playing in the Premier League and playing in the Glad Africa financially. You know, so there's so much at stake here. I think some teams would like it not to be played. And some teams will say, you know what, let's finish it off now. And some teams want to play because of you know they can still win the championship or or uh, still get relegated. And certain teams. I mean, if you look at the bottom of the log, there's four teams with 23 points. Yeah. And there's you know there's goal difference separating mm. those two teams on the bottom. Black Leopards and Amizulu would prefer the league not to take place and the league to have 18 teams next year. And others will prefer it. So there's so many different uh, reasons why it should or shouldn't be played. Gordon, in your opinion, uh, what would you prefer to see? That, to be completed or just to say, right, guys, null and void, we start again? What I would like to see is if the league can be completed. And firstly, as I said earlier on, we need to follow the, the, the guidelines of the experts out there. In South Africa, we have our, 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 our scientists. We are following other scientists mm. all over the world. And I think the first thing we need to be very sure of is the safety of the South African players, first of all, and the people of South Africa. And you must remember, it's a group of players, not just 11-11 on the field. There's a physiotherapist, there's a doctor, there's a, there's a fitness trainer, there's a, 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 a masseur, there's linesmen, there's referees, there's, there's a lot of people involved here. And I think if it's safe, if it's safe, I'd like it to go on, obviously. But that's going to be a big challenge because this, this uh, you know, it's been proven that this uh, dreadful um, coronavirus is, is not a, a simple thing. It's, it's attacking everybody, it doesn't matter where, how and what. Mm. So I think the first thing is to, if it's safe, great. And if it's not, because you know, I also don't want to be in a situation when, you know, you, you, you're playing and you know you're not at your best. Mm. And you're fighting a relegation battle, you're fighting to win the championship and your team is only really uh, 60 or 70% where they should be. They're not, they, they're just coming back, you know, it's very difficult. So uh, mm. it's going to be hard for all the teams, but, um, you know, depending how they've been dealing with this, uh, we, we don't know how they've been training individually and the coaches, what they've been doing with them on in Zoom training sessions, whatever the case may be. Yeah, sure. Uh, another added, added benefit, I don't I don't know if you saw, Sean, there was a story about, I think, the Moroccan League uh, and their new dates. Um, it looks like FIFA is, 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 is laxing the rules that stated that you have to finish the league by the 31st of July because the, the, um, the Moroccan League, it looks like they're, their next season is going to start in October and they're playing the remainder of this season throughout July and early August. So, and then they're going to have that mini break. So I think that'll also ease up. At least the schedule doesn't have to be super tight, it seems. Um, I'm hoping that the PSL has the same. 
Yeah, I think that would be the PSL game, uh, a goal, sorry, is to, to restart the league come 1st of October. So get all the, the games done now, uh, I, I presume, hopefully, August, September, um, and then come have another 10 days off, possibly. I don't even think there will be a break for the players, to be honest, and then just go straight into the league for next season. That's what I think is going to happen. But I think also, guys, you know what? What's also very important here is the the league is so tight at the moment. And if, if for example, let's just say we started the league, and a player from this team or a player from that team or two players from here ended up getting the virus somehow or another, then are we mm-hmm. going to stop again and wait to go play? Or are we going? You see, I think there has to be some guidelines uh, in place right now, so everybody knows where they stand. For example. We start the league right now. Everything goes well. And after three games, there's 10 players have got the virus. Mm-hmm. Now what do we do? Now do we stop it and say, okay, by that time, maybe one team has won the league. Maybe one team is in the relegation zone already. They're going to be relegated if they, uh, they're really uh, uh, relegated. Is the t- league mm-hmm. going to say, you know what, guys, if it stops halfway, we can't finish it. The decision will be this. We will make the, the league 18 teams next season. No relegation, no promotion, or or two, the two teams get promoted. And, and, and the way they do it, but we'll, you know, we'll have to move to 18 teams. Mm. So mm. that, because it's, as I say, it's, it's, it's so much at stake. You know, the teams in the middle of the field at the moment, you know, sitting in ninth place and eighth place and 10th place, they're okay. Whether they play or don't play, they're looking forward to next season. Obviously, they're trying to fight to get into the top eight. But it's so crucial at the top. Kaiser Chiefs and Sundowns, if, if Sundowns win their game in hand, they're one point off, uh, off Chiefs with six games to go or five games to go. Now they stop mm. the league. Or if, one, if, it, if it's a reverse, if Sundowns hit the front and Chiefs end up second with four games to go, there's still so much to play for. And the relegation as well. So now the league stops. What, what, we can't start all over again and say, well, let's now see what we're going to do. We must say, I think we should say, if this happens and we can't finish the league, regardless on who's top or who's bottom, whatever, the league will be null and void or whatever the case may be. Is. I don't know because at the moment, Sundowns can win this championship. There's no doubt about that. And Chiefs can win this championships. And of course, there's Pirates mm. and Bits are the, coming from behind. Very difficult for them. But mm. those two teams. But on the bottom of the league, you don't want to be with four games to go sitting last and say, well, we're going to get relegated, but you could have won your next three games and got out of it. Sure. So we can't say you're going to get relegated because you haven't been relegated yet. It's still four games to go. So there's a lot yeah. at stake for the PSL and for, for Salford to deal with before this. 100%. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, it brings into question, you know, thank goodness none of these teams are in African club competitions still because that would add a, a, whole, a whole other... A uh, bit of stress, and that's actually our next story. Is um, you know, I had it, I had it said to me recently that uh, qualifying for African club competition isn't really that worth it if you're a smaller team. Uh, so I, I thought I'd bring it up on this show because it's an interesting thing. You know, it's, uh, continental contest is supposed to be this glamorous thing, but the CAF Champions League and CAF Confed Cup don't really present themselves as such, and it's very expensive for 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 lower teams. If you're not Sundowns, if you're not Chiefs, if you're not Pirates, you're going to struggle. Tim Sugazi said it. He was talking about when they had to go to Seychelles with uh, TS Galaxy uh, and Madagascar. They spent, you know, upwards of 500,000 Rand uh, on, you know, air tickets and accommodation. So do you, do you think for a smaller team, if you were the coach, um, knowing all the strain that it also puts on your players, uh, all that travel, the, the, the lack of budget that, that you might experience, um, do you, would, you, would you want to qualify for, for the CAF Confed Cup for Champions League or, or would it be something that you'd say, you know what, maybe fourth is okay? It's, it's a good question, Slu, and it's a tough one. I mean, but, but who would have thought that um, TS Galaxy would have, would have qualified anyway? Do you know what I mean? True. It's, it's, it's 
it's such a tough one. It, it looks great for the CV. It doesn't look great for the bank accounts. But you would think that CAF would do more in terms of sponsoring flights, etc. So I'm very surprised to actually hear about this or read this. But, but Gordon, I don't know if you've been part of CAF at all or maybe you've got some more insight. Yeah, look, from, from, a, from a player's point of view and from a coaching point of view and from a team's point of view, I think it's going to be very difficult for teams to, to, to go to, to play in these competitions right now because of the, because of the, 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 the difficulties. You've got to travel, first of all. You've got to go international travel. You've got to go to a country where you don't know how they're coping with uh, how they, how, what, what they've got in place, how, how they're uh, how they um, uh, sanitizing everywhere, or what they're doing, how they're doing things, and that would be a, a, obviously a, a, a catastrophe if that happened, in my opinion, because we mm. certainly, you know, we in South Africa are quite sport because we are, we've got the top of the range of everything, we've got the right hotels, but sometimes less fortunate countries depends where you are, you know, haven't got the kind of. Uh, uh, manpower we've got or the, or the facilities we've got or how to do certain things and it could be very dangerous very difficult at this time to to do that and i also think at the time for the coach it'll be the most difficult because coming closer to the time to travel you're going to get one or two players saying oh i've got a hammy i've got a strong you know i can't go my family or you know don't want to go it's too risky and you know you know all this like sean you know you've got a wedding on the weekend and you want to go to africa you know take a chance so you know i'll pull a hamstring at training tomorrow yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's this tough conversation. And I mean, Sean, we, we've seen it with, with uh, Bitvest Vits, uh, you know, teams who aren't Sundowns. I mean, Sundowns, we, we root for them to do very well at these, at these competitions. But Deco said himself on the show that back in 2016 or 2015, uh, Pizzo just, uh, not Pizzo, sorry, Patrice just bought them a plane. For, for, for their travels. Mm. And I mean, when you need yeah. that level of, of expenditure to, 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 to make a run in the cup, the, is, it, is it worth it? Or, you know, it's, it's, it's just this tough chat because, um, you know, I'm looking at some of these and I'm, I'm going, you know, if Bitvis Vitz was struggling this season and they've been doing well for years, how in mm. the hell did TS Galaxy go to Madagascar and Seychelles and, yeah. and still make it out yeah. of there? Um, yeah, it's 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 a rare it's a rare thing, Slew. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, no disrespect to TS Galaxy at all, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon again. Um, but you know, in terms of a, a financial burden on the team, I think that's your original question: a financial burden on the team to actually travel there and go play these games. It probably isn't worth it for these guys. But to look back one day and say, right, we we managed to play in the CAF Champions League. It was an awesome experience. How much does that cost, really? How do you weigh that up? For Patrice, it's not an issue. Like as you said, he can rent a play or buy a plane for the guys, the guys will be able to get back and recover in enough time to play their next league game. And that's not necessarily what happens with the super sports, the bid best fits and the TS Galiski. So it's a, it's a bit of a mixed one. And I think each owner or each manager will have their own opinion. But in, certainly in terms of TS Galaxy, it probably wouldn't be worth it there while financially uh, going to the CAF championships. But I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised that CAF doesn't give them more do you know what I mean? Uh, financially, I mean, I'm surprised to hear that they've got to pay for their own air flights there, which is just ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. Because that's also the thing. I mean, UEFA Champions League, you don't hear about things like this. You don't hear about that with mm. the Europa League. But I think it's because there's massive sponsorship there. So, you know, exactly. I think that bill goes to Heineken probably. Yeah, I think the sponsorships are the most important. But if I could just say this from a playing point of view, I think it's absolutely essential that we do play in these competitions because, mm. you know, the improvement the players make and the experience they gain are playing. You know, when you go to Morocco, you go to, uh, to, to certain countries and you're playing against really good players, like, like uh, Egypt, for example. I mean, uh, Sundowns, 
and Pirates, when they played against these teams, they, they excelled, they did so well, and they became better teams. And it mm, also absolutely. makes the player understand, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's huge for, for the players and for the, to, for the improvement of football to play against these players, these teams. But the, the cost is very, very expensive. You know, when you've got a team, like you say, qualifying, you know, we, they haven't got the kind of finances that it costs to, to really uh, put up a good uh, you know, performance uh, without uh, getting bankrupt, so to speak, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, you know, we, we we just want to get these competitions to the same level of, of interest, I think, as as the UEFA Champions League or something like that. Because you know, we were all disappointed when we couldn't watch Sundowns um, play out in the competition this season. I don't know what's going on with CAF. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some clarity before next season. But alas, sure. uh, we we look internationally now to the international news desk. Uh, welcome to the show, Kurt Buckerfield. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. I'm good, man. How are you? Oh, goody. Oh, goody. Uh, so first things first, um, I need to know about this bit of business between Juventus and Barcelona. And what the oh. hell this pianish author swap deal is about? Because it seems like Juve uh, just ran away with, with a talent while Barca got, you know, someone in his twilight years. But, but tell, me, tell me what's going on here. Yeah, Slu, um, I can't believe you're going to get me started on this because um, this really angers me as a, as a Barcelona fan. Um, <laughs> but from what I understand, the two clubs um, you know, have inflated the prices of, of Pjanic at Juventus and then Arthur at Barcelona to make it show that they've made a profit by the end of a financial term, financial year. I'm not exactly sure how it works, um, which I believe is now at the end of, of June. So it's just passed. Um, it's it's a bit of creative accounting and it's perfectly legal uh, perfectly legal and it's done to to balance the books, um, but it's just symptomatic of, of of a failing board under under the current presidency, um, and I've read that it's likely been done to save their jobs. Uh, it's it's another bit of poor business by the club um, with an election coming up. Um, if the club looks like it's running at a profit, then why would there be a need to change anything? Um, mm. And, and the, the reason I'm so frustrated with this all really is because I don't like the way Barcelona has framed this all, accusing Arthur of not progressing as a player, um, accusing him of, of passing sideways too much. And, and, and Mr. Iggerson will know more about the importance of, of midfield players passing forward, splitting gaps, etc. Um, but Arthur's 23 years old and he was so impressive when he arrived um, in 2018 that he was practically picking himself. He, he arrived as a no-name and became one of the first names on the team sheet. So I don't buy the club's reasoning um, for, for the sale, um, and especially since it wasn't the coaching staff who, who wanted to sell him. It was a business decision. Um, it has nothing to do with Arthur's ability as a footballer. He's a Brazilian international. He's personally the best player I've seen with my own two eyes. I was in Barcelona, um, or sorry, I was in Madrid last year to watch Barcelona play away Getafe and now Messi wasn't playing of course he'd, he'd have been the best player I've, I've seen um, <laughs> but but Arthur was was impossible to tackle the way he uses his body he can turn on a speck of dust he's he's brilliant it was really reminiscent of of the likes of Iniesta and, and Xavi um, I'm sure Juventus will enjoy having him he has the potential to be a world-class player um, so it really really um, is a shame to see him leave Barcelona where you know he could really thrive um, in that environment with, with more technical players. Um, so, yeah, I think Juventus uh, will be, you know, they can't believe their luck. 
What do you guys make of this? I mean, Arthur, 23, Brazilian international, goes to Juve for 66 million pounds. And then coming the other way, a 30-year-old Pjanic for 55 million pounds. I, I, I no, it's, 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 it's oh, I don't know. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. Like, like you said, Kurt, there's something happening behind closed doors, some very bad business yet again by Barcelona. Um, yeah, and, and they're talking these ridiculous numbers. I thought COVID has hit everyone financially, but obviously not. I mean, yeah. these numbers are astronomical. Well, exactly. It's just, yeah, it's, yeah these, it, something doesn't make sense here. What do you think, Gordon? Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think it's a crazy deal, you know, especially for Barcelona. I mean, they've got, I think, maybe seven or eight players or even six or seven players that are over the age of 30 already, you know, and they're getting rid of a 23-year-old to buy another 30-year-old, mm. you know. So I, I just don't know. This doesn't make sense at all, you know. I think a few years back, about 12, 15 years back, I think Germany were in the situation once. They had all these players who were old and 30 and 33 and 34, and they just decided, you know what, guys, we're going to, take a step back and we're going to get a whole new team and they start off with players like Arthur 23s and 20s and, and so on and so forth and they won the World Cup since then so you know they, they, Barcelona have got to make changes at the moment and I don't think this is one of the good ones they're making right now Yeah, yeah. I, I was also just surprised even on Juventus' side it, I, I wouldn't think that they'd be looking for a player like Arthur I mean their midfield options are stacked still you know they, they've got uh, Aaron Ramsey who they took from my arsenal they've got uh, Adrian Rabio, Blaise Matt Tweedy, um, all these guys, and and I, I would have thought, you know, if you, if you're going to replace anyone, get somebody who's who's going to fill in for. You don't even need to really fill in for Cristiano Ronaldo. They've got Dybala, uh, they've yeah. got they've got all these guys. Like even on their side, in your opinion, Kurt, does it make sense for 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 Juve? Does does Arthur walk into that starting lineup, or or is it is it going to be another situation where he has to build up? So, Slew, I think the only reason Barcelona, um, Juventus, sorry, um, have, have made this move is because he became available. I don't think they'd have been after Arthur um, had, had Barcelona not been looking to, you know, make it appear as if they're making a profit. Um, it's literally mm -hmm. that simple. I don't think that they were after him. I think that the opportunity presented itself. Pjanic, from what I've read, from what I've seen, is a player in decline. Um, he has less responsibility on, on, on set pieces with Ronaldo and Dybala around. Um, and like you guys talked about, he's 30 years old. So I think for, for Juventus, it's like, well, if they're asking us, because obviously Barcelona have approached Juventus, if yeah. they're asking us to take a 23-year-old Brazilian international who was just a part of the Copa America winning side, who's, you know, who's made huge strides since, since coming to Spain... If they're asking us to take them off their hands, we'll do it. And we'll give them one of our declining midfielders. So, you know, <laughs> they'll find a place for him. It's, it's a no-brainer, you know? It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and it's also, also financially. Also financially, it's a no-brainer. Absolutely. I, mean, I don't think there's a team in the world that wouldn't do this deal. Yeah. You know, to, to, get a, to get a 23-year-old like Arthur for, for, for Panic. I mean, it's just, no, there's nobody who won't do that deal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, looking looking to this next story, it's funny how like the pinch of of, of COVID affects different teams because then you have <laughs> then you have Manchester United saying that they don't want to yeah. pay more than fifty million pounds for Jaden Sancho, who's mm. a remarkable young winger, English, uh, who's absolutely destroying the Bundesliga, um, mm. and and obviously Borussia Dortmund want. Uh, 100 million pounds for this kid and and so man united pretty much the biggest team in the world why 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 is this their thinking because i i mean i saw it reported on sky so it has to be um 
accurate, but we don't know if, if, if Sancho will move. But how, why are Man United not willing to, to break the bank for the kid? I think, I think um, you know, personally, Sue, this is just my opinion. I'm not sure if, if I'm completely right here, but I do think that Manchester United are just dipping their toes in the water, you know. They're just trying to feel things out. They probably assume that Dortmund will be desperate to, to sell uh, or to make money, rather, because of the economic impact that the coronavirus has had across the world. So they're probably just trying to see where, where they stand, where Dortmund stand on the deal. Um, but like you said, I don't think Dortmund are going to budge on the 100 million euro asking price. Um, and I think that Manchester United, at the end of the day, if it becomes clear that Sancho wants to join Manchester United, not just leave Dortmund, but join Manchester United, Manchester United will fork out that cash. And I think they will end up breaking the bank for him. Um, we'll probably see a deal closer to 80, 90 million um, than 50. Um, but I'm, I'm sure United are just trying to, you know, get that 100 million mark, you know, just decrease that by, by 20 million and they'll probably be, be happy. Yeah, don't be surprised if you see in the region about 75 to 90 million for Sancho. But I, I do think it's still on the cards. He's a great player. He'll add so much to Man United. And what he's done in the Bundesliga is just astronomical. But uh, but 100, you see, I don't even know how to evaluate these players anymore. It's just ridiculous the numbers we're speaking. It is. Know, 100 million pounds, 50 million pounds for a player. It's just ludicrous. But again, people are paying it. So it's just mad. Mad. Yeah, yeah. Nothing makes yeah. sense anymore. Especially when you don't know when football will be on the screens again or when you when you will be able to have fans in the stadium. You know what I mean? They're, like they're just dropping all this money. It looks like they're regular budgets. Gordon, I don't know, I don't know what, what you make of this, but uh, of the Man United public bartering, so to so to speak. Um what's you know, your thoughts? I, I think Oli I think Oli's been under a lot of pressure and he really wants to get a good team going for next season. And if you look at he's got a player come from the academy, Dan, uh, Dan James, who also plays on the right wing. Also mm. very young, very, very good player. But also Mason Greenwood at the moment, who had an outstanding game against Brighton, scoring a goal, and he's really uh, uh, scoring lots and lots of goals. So you know you've got to try and put yourself in the way that uh, Ollie's thinking at the moment. And maybe he, he feels Mason uh, uh, Mason Greenwood would be better as a number nine or a number 10 and because he, he has been playing on the right-hand side as well as a right-winger. So he's got three, but we're talking about three young players here. We're talking about a 20-year-old, a 19-year-old and a 21-year-old, I think it is, you know. So I, I'm happy with all those those players. They all, I mean, they're all great players and as I say, for a different reason. But Oli certainly wants to, I think he wants this player. He wants Sancho and I think he will get him and I think it's quite right. If he has to pay uh, a little bit more, I think he will do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Say, say for example, Gordon, this deal doesn't go through. Do you think Man United should just, you know, do you think they have enough talent to fill in that gap anyway? Well, I think on the right-hand side, especially on the right-hand side, I think Oli's specifically looking about, talking about his right-hand side at the moment. Yeah. Not talking about it, but he's drawing a picture that we, we can probably see. Because Mason Greenwood does play on the right-hand side. But he's also they're, they're almost scoring a goal a game whenever he plays. He's scoring lots and lots of goals. He's was outstanding, as I said. Dan James has come from the development, and he's also done quite well. So now he's looking for another player, also plays on the right wing. So we've got to ask ourselves why. Has he got, has he got a different plan for, for Greenwood? Has he got a different plan? Does he think that Dan James is not quite ready yet where, where, uh, where uh, Sancho is? You know, so we've got to try and see why, because there's three players in one area, and they're all 20 years old. You know, So... I think I think he's got bigger, better ideas for at the moment for Greenwood uh, playing in a different position than on the right hand side. Mm. Mm. And uh, Kurt, from 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 your uh, perspective, uh, Manchester United, if they get Sancho, are they immediately contenders next season? 
I, I don't think just yet. I think there are a few positions that they can improve. And I still think at left back, we're lacking. Uh, I say we because I'm a, I'm a United fan. I think they're still <laughs> lacking at, at left back with Luke Shaw. Um, I still feel they probably need another top quality centre back. But of course, I mean, you're looking at the side now with Bruno Fernandes and Pogba playing the way they are. Um, and you're saying, well, they, they're competing for the Champions League and they might qualify for the Champions League. Well, then next season, how do we go one better? How, do, how does Manchester United now compete for the league? How do they compete in Europe? Um, so I think Sancho gets them there, definitely in, in the discussion, in the conversation. Um, but I still reckon there are a few um, changes to be made to that side to make them real contenders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's kind of similar to my Arsenal where it always feels like we're buying for positions that we have covered, kind of. It's like, it's like you know, we buy attackers and we every fan is screaming for a defender. Um, yeah. And I think Liverpool did that, you know, and, and people laughed at them for paying $75 million for Van Dijk, but look at them now. So, um, yeah. yeah. But uh, thank you very much for joining us on the show, Kurt. Uh, that has been the International News Desk. Have a fantastic one, sir. Cool, guys. Enjoy. Cheers, man. Thanks, Kurt. Cheers. And uh, up next, we have a story that uh, it was actually around the 19th, 20th of June this came out, but we haven't gotten the chance to talk about it. And that's Stuart Baxter, who was linked with, uh, with a return to Kaiser Chiefs not so long ago, has now joined Odisha FC in the Indian Super League. Uh, so wow. no Chiefs there. Um, it's an interesting one. To be honest, uh, I know nothing about Indian football. Um, money must be good. Uh, but what do you make of this news, Sean? Like, you know, f- f- a few weeks ago, we were talking about our oh, Baxter back at Amakosi and now, now it's Odisha FC. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, <clears throat> some PSL players have played there. Eduardo Ferreira was recently there. Samir Doty was there. So the league is progressively getting better. Um, for me, for sure, I'm sure the money's great. I, I think that's why he's gone. I mean, let's there's, there's not beat around the bush. I'm sure he's being paid very, very well. He's a very good coach. To take nothing wrong, away from that. He's a, he's a great man manager, which is probably his best strength. Um, and he's, it's thoroughly deserved. Uh, he's taken a bit of time out since uh, leaving the Bafana setup. He's had a good year off, and now I'm sure he's ready and rearing to go. And um, yeah, it's, it's exciting for me. I think this is cool it's to see um, someone you know in a, a setup that you're not familiar with. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what transpires. What do you think, Gordon? Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I don't, I don't know too much about the football there, but I'm yeah. sure, uh, sure Stuart has made the decision that he felt is the best decision for him, obviously mm-hmm. financially as well. You know, so um, I think there was, you know, with this coronavirus, there was, this, uh, there was a lot of talk about him coming back to Kaiser Chiefs with Ernst Mittendorf doing so well. In my opinion, I think Ernst done, has done a fantastic job at Chiefs. You know, just you just sure. go back two years ago, one year ago, they were really in dire straits. And um, now they seem to, they're on top of the log, obviously, and doing quite well. And I think what what uh, what uh, the coach has done, Mittendorf Ernst, has, has has really got them playing winning football at the moment. You know, mm. so he's put away the side. I just play. Let's make fifty passes, forty passes, and if we lose one 0 it's okay. I think he's gone straight for the jugular and said, right, we're going to just go and we're going to win games. And sometimes that's yeah. important to turn a whole club around back to its glory days, win the championship. And I think he's done a fantastic job so far in getting them to where they are. So probably Stuart was. There was no real commitment yet. So Stuart was being offered a job. He'd rather take the job that he's been offered than say, well, maybe 
if they don't win the league, I'll get the job at Chiefs. If they win the league, maybe I don't get the job. You know, so I yeah. think that's the decision that he's made. Yeah, and, and there's definitely a lot of weird. I mean, the tension uh, at Chiefs is very strange because even if even if Ernst doesn't win the league, he still brought Chiefs from ninth to second position, which is a remarkable feat. Um, so I, I've I've been confused by by all of this talk of pushing Ernst out. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, the. People have spoken about the hierarchy at, at the top three clubs um, and how difficult it is to, to to manage a club there. Gavin spoke about it as well. Um, Gordon, in your opinion, is it is it is it a unique challenge specifically being at a top three like a Sundowns, Chiefs, or Pirates, um, and maintaining your job there compared to to other sides? Yeah, it's very difficult. Fortunately, I've coached I've coached three of them and I've won the championship with two of them. Mm. And um, obviously, I haven't coached Chiefs, but having coached uh, Sundowns and Pirates. Uh, fantastic, fantastic to coach those teams, but a lot of pressure because the expectations are so high. You know, sometimes you can buy any player you want to buy and uh, go in the championship because you're not short of anything, you know. And the Pirates is the same thing. The supporters, they only want success. And it's it's very difficult. And I think it's more important to know there that you've got to man-manage the players a lot more than coaching. You know, you, you've got to obviously have your game plan and come out with how you want to play and how you're going to defend and, and combinations and so on and so forth. But you've got to allow, you've got to... Uh, Man manage the players, and the biggest job managing those teams is managing the players on plane because they're the mm. ones who are sitting on the side and start talking. Oh, this is not right, the coach doesn't like me, this is no good. You know, you can win 15 20 games in the trot, but you'll get players who will just be unhappy. And it's important to manage those players. And when you can get that right, then you can, you're going to be successful. But yeah, you know, it's not easy coaching the top teams, it's, it's very, very difficult. Well, um, speaking of difficulties, we have a feature called The Secret Footballer. Um, For those who don't know, if you look at our sister publication, Kickoff, on their back page, uh, they always have an anonymous story uh, from somebody in local football, involved in local football. Um, And uh, Sean presents that to us as a topic. What do we have this week? Yeah, we sort of touched on it today already. Um, obviously, this footballer speaks about, so quote, it takes a lot of mental strength to survive this. That's why sometimes we didn't have the energy to play PSL matches when we arrived home. So him talking about leaving to play in CAF and coming back. And Gordon, I think the question here is, is from me to you is, do you think there is enough mental work being done at the clubs um, in, with, with regards to the PSL? I remember when I played in Europe, you know, there was one day set aside just for us to sort of work on our mental aspect of the game. Do you think enough's done here in South Africa? Sure, I think I think here in South Africa, sometimes the players are a little bit too spoiled. You know, in Europe and all over the world, you've got to roll your sleeves up and you've got to get stuck in. And this is your job. You know, this is what you do. And if you've got to play three games in a week, play those three games in a week and look forward to them. But you, you know, to walk around and say, well, we're tired. And if you're so tired, then don't come to train and ask for a couple of weeks off and go sleep. You know, you, mm. you've got to, you, it's a tough job. It's, you've got to play in these competitions. And the more you play, it's the more success you have. Because you've got to go play in a Champions League. You've got to go and play here. You've got to go and play there. And I can tell you right now that, that the players in South Africa, sometimes they, it's getting a lot better now because uh, people are understanding what it's like to go play in Africa. It's really improving the, the football. And, um, and now, you know, before it was, whenever you had to go play away, the teams would say, oh, you know, we don't want to go. Or I'm sick and uh, this and that. And always look to, you know, roll your sleeves up, guys. Get stuck in there and go and play, man. This is what, you know, play football. Go play. You know, play, yeah. play. I'd like to play four games in a week if I could, you know. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, it's, um, sometimes we're just a little bit too spoiled. But as I say, it's not like that now. That's why Pirates have done so great in Africa. That's why Sundowns are doing great in Africa. And other mm. teams slowly will start doing that as well. But 
the players have got to want it. You know, you can't say we're tired. You know, the, mm. the, the manager is there. The coach is there. He will know how to rest a player. You can, have, you can rest them. You don't go and train 100 miles an hour if you play Wednesday, Saturday, and Tuesday next week. The coaches know how to rest players. So you had your peak on the game match day. You know, it's not all yep. about just, you can't get, I don't think you can get tired and play too much, mm. you know? Interesting. In fact, in fact, sometimes it works the opposite way. Like uh, I remember um, there was an interview done with uh, LeBron James where he spoke about um, the fact that, you know, when, when, when basketball does come back, um, no matter what it is, all of the players are going to look like kind of bad. They, they're going to look like they're out of, like they're out of, out of steam and, 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 and that sort mm. of thing. But um, it's, it's, it's one of those things where even when you're a conditioned athlete, it's better to play more than less. You know what I mean? That the fact that they've missed matches is the reason why they're going to look, you know, unmotivated yeah, and stuff like that. Hundred percent. Matches is the best. You got to you got to keep playing. You know, you, there's, there's a big difference between training very very hard and playing a match. It's a huge difference. Absolutely. Well, I have a feature called This Week in Football History. Today we remember great moments from the past. We dive into the time capsule. Join us as we remember great moments from this week in football history. So this week in 2012, Spain successfully defended their title as European champions, thrashing Italy 4-0 in the Euro finals. And that was their third international trophy in the space of four years. Yes, 2008, 2010, 2012. So a hat trick of international success for them. Back in 1990, this week, England suffered a tearful exit from the World Cup with two missed penalties against West Germany in a semi-final shootout. And this week in 1953, Laszlo Kubala made his first appearance for Spain. And I know none of you know who that is, but it's an interesting one because he had already played for Czechoslovakia and Hungary. So he's got the unique experience of representing three different countries in his career, um, wow. you know, despite being <laughs> known by absolutely no one. But I think I think since then, FIFA has tightened up the rules, so you can't really do that <laughs> nowadays. <Sure. laughs> um, I think you can switch between. I think you can play uh, under, like, you can play under twenty and under ninety for one country, and then switch when uh, when you get called up for for the, for senior activity. I've seen that happen a couple times, but yes, that's um, correct. Yeah, yeah, but you can't you can't make the switch, unfortunately. Uh, when you're a senior player, I'm sure a lot of players would love to. There was one, there was one who who everyone kept saying he should have he should have tried uh, for 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 Spain. I think he had the choice. It was Diego Costa. I'm thinking of. I think uh, where. Mm. He he went for Spain, but everyone said he should have gone. He, he could have gone with Brazil as well, um, and he never really had. I don't. I don't like compared to like say a David Villa or someone on the international stage. I don't think Diego Costa has done, um, you know, very very well. But um, that doesn't necessarily. At club, uh, yeah, it, at club level, he's been amazing, hasn't he? Incredible, if not violent, yeah. but 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 very very good. <laughs> um, I think France France is a good example of that because they've had many players in the in their team that could have played for African teams, you know, all in Africa. Yeah, and they chose to play for France. So, yeah, I think I think once you've played your first game, one game in the senior national team, that's it. You got you got to stay with that. that yeah, team. correct. Yeah, yeah. I remember I remember when France won the World Cup. There was a lot of people <laughs> in this country who were like, "Now nah, this is a victory for us as well." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, all right, so this next story, it's kind of a two-in-one, so we can talk about it as uh, as if it's one thing, but uh, I wanted to get your perspectives on should the purchase of PSL status be discontinued? Uh, we've 
we've seen good and bad here. You know, obviously TT, uh, TTM is the most recent example. Back in 2016, Cape Town City bought the uh, Mpumalanga Black Aces rights, uh, moving them from 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 there to Cape Town. Uh, and now we have TTM. And an interesting fact about this is that they have to, the CEO, Selo Choku, has come out and said they have to offload all of Vitz players. So they're working with Vitz to sell every player on the roster because they can't afford the, the salary bill. And so I need, Gordon, perhaps you can, you can help me out here because I, I'm confused about the idea of purchasing rights for however much that must cost and then also not being able to pay the players at the team there. Um, so... What 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 are, what are your thoughts here? Should should the purchase of PSL status be discontinued, or or do you think it's part of it? Look, it's part it's part of it. You know, it's a business. Football is a business. You know, but I don't agree with the fact that you know if you buy a if you buy a, a franchise or you buy a, a team and you move it from the wherever it is. If you buy a team in Maritzburg, that team must stay in Maritzburg, in my opinion. I think that because you know you got supporters that have supported the team for I mean for Vitz, for example Vitz, in Vitz's case I mean they one of the oldest teams I remember when I was playing we used to play against Vitz oh, University man. you know and they they they've got a history now they're just going to be moved away and go and go somewhere else and all those guys and we've supported them all the years going down to Mill Park watching it and looking forward to the Friday nights whatever the case may be is gone you know and then also it's, it's you know the, the the negotiations have got to take care of the players that are contract, contracted to you at the time mm. you know. You you can't say well. The, uh, I don't know how it's gone. I haven't I haven't paid much attention to it. But what I've been reading is that they're not going to be taking those players. But I'm sure those players are going to be paid out for their contracts, or they're going to whatever. They can't just say, "Well, we bought the club now, and you're not wanted, and you're not wanted." Because uh, you know, as I say, it's a business, and uh, the players have got to be protected to a certain degree. And I'm sure that Vitz would have done that. You know, uh, knowing Gavin and knowing the, the people at Vitz, they would have certainly said, "You know, we're going to sell off, but we can't just uh, uh, throw all the players under the bus. It's not our problem anymore." It is their problem, and I'm sure they will take care of it, and they will do what's right. If the team that's purchasing the the, the team doesn't want to have those players, that's their choice. They don't have to. They can put them on the transfer list or sell them, or or. But long as they're still getting paid, getting looked after, I think that's that's the big thing, you know, because that, that the identity has just gone completely from from uh, from Vitz, and and they were they were institution, not yeah. only a football club. So it's very difficult. It's but you know there are some times when you owned a club for some time, I suppose, and you say, you know what, I, I need to get out of this now for my health or for my whatever the case may be. Is maybe I've just you know I've been doing it for thirty years. And I want to call it a day, and you know I'm going to sell my. It's like selling a business. You know when you want to call it a day. So I don't think there's anything wrong with selling a business, but long as the the the, the, the players and everybody it's all done the correct way, and the arrangements are that if you're a Cape Town team and you want to buy the franchise of, for example, Cape Town City, I can't take Cape Town City now and go put it in Polokwane and, ch- and change the name. You mm. know, maybe you can change the name after two years or three years. I don't know. But it's a, it's a tricky situation because, you know, it's, it, the clubs are privately owned and it's the owner's decision what he wants to do. You know, if I want to sell or I don't want to sell. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a strange one, Sean. What are what are your thoughts here? Because I, I have the quote from from the CEO Cello here. He says, "We are not trying to be selfish. Most uh, most teams uh, were actually after Vitz players before they bought them." He said, uh, "We are free to allow those players to go uh, because part of the reason they can't afford them is because they used a lot of money to buy the team." That's that's it, it's it's but almost I mean, comical. Slew, what 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 does that tell you about the new guys that are? Involved. I mean, it's that you, that you can't afford to run the team. 
Yeah. So, so now what? Well, what's what's going to happen? I mean, 99 years, guys. But I played there. It's, it's, it's a team that's very close to my heart. And now it's just been ripped out. I mean, all these kids on bursaries and whatnot that are just told to, oh, sorry, we can't continue. Um, oh, man, it's just devastating. But also, but also <laughs> the academy. What about all those young boys who are in the academy? Oh. Been there for three years, four years, five years, fighting to get into the team. I think, it's, yeah. but that, that's got to be done in the negotiation. And sometimes we don't really know what the negotiations are, you know. But I think that what's got to be put in front first of all is the is the actual club that's getting bought. They got to be taken care of in the right way, and the players got to be. You know, you read certain things about players now, and Gavin, you know, if, if the club can't afford those players, then then. You know, you, you've got to, when you buy the club, rather pay uh, two million less or whatever the case may be. Is but negotiate, yeah. negotiations must include the players and the people who employ at that club. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Well, uh, you know, we, we're talking about teams moving places and, and moving provinces. Uh, they'll they'll need a car to do that, won't they, Sean? Um, <laughs> uh, we, 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 I always always try to get find worse ways. and worse. <laughs> I try to find ways to segue into car of the week every week. But uh, what we got? <laughs> All right, cool. So Toyota have launched their new Corolla 2020. Now in its 12th generation, the new Corolla keeps on delivering what we love about it. It's by no means perfect to look at, but what Toyota brings you is consistency and reliability. The interior as a whole is a classy affair built to withstand all the challenges that family life may throw at. It's ranging from 380,000 to 433 top end, all in all a solid 8.5 out of 10. Very nice. You know, I, I think I have like PTSD or something because I swear my brain heard the new Corona and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Corolla. The, the new Toyota coronavirus. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, as always, we close off with a motivational quote of the week. Sean, you never fail at inspiring me and, and uh, pushing me to be greater. What you got for me this week? Yes, yes sir, sir. Opportunities to find deeper powers within ourselves come when life seems most challenging. Ooh, who's that from? That's moi. That's you. Sean Roberts. That's me. Oh, snap. Oh, snap, son. Well, um, that has been the car wash. Uh, Whether you're listening to us on SL Radio, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or Mahi Gang FM, thank you very much for tuning into the show. Thank you very much, Sean Roberts. And a big thank you to Gordon Iggerson for joining us on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, we we kind of uh, not really threw you under the bus, but, but we only got you this morning. So thank you very much because I know uh, we are taking an hour out of your day. So it's been a pleasure. Well, it's not like I'm going to be going out too much today. So, (laughs) 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 but Sue, thanks, thanks, Sue, and Sean, thanks. It was great to be on the show with you, and I had a lot of fun, and it was just great. uh, It was great morning for me. Thank you. Thanks, Gordon. Now we'll be right back in your eardrums next week. Adios. Today is a great day for car wash. Yeah, sure, car wash. (laughs) (laughs) This is the car wash on Sakala Duma Radio. This is a fang on a corner.